I think the best way to uh, proceed for the, for the next hour or so is to first ask So if you would take your seats, I can. If so, I think the best way to proceed for the next hour or so is to first ask all the uh, participants at the round tables if there's something they want to add or something they want to uh, just question or say, following which uh, it will be open to everybody to come into the discussion, and I know there are some people from there and uh, others who have uh, specific comments and contributions they'd like to make. So I think uh, Paul is a, wanted to say something, and I think Henry wants to say something. So, well, the group first, perhaps? Uh, which group? No, you go ahead. That one. And then, yes, I know. Well, I just wanted to uh, throw out a remark or two uh, to no one in particular, but anyone might wish to pick it up, uh, on the subject of symbolic mediation in the formation of groups and of identity. Uh, we have uh, what might tempt one uh, to think of as a, an evaluative range of symbols that have been that have been mentioned from time to time. Uh, the scarf worn by the supporter of a football team. Uh, the flag that appears over the uh, militarized vehicle coursing through the desert. The flag in the window, which Emil, I think, rightly points out, uh, on reflection somehow changes from being the flag that hangs in front of the embassy. Uh, in other words, uh, needs to be interpreted in a variety of ways according to context. We also have, and, and this is actually what, what brought the issue to my mind, we also have the statuette on the desk. In other words, we have perhaps the feeling when we reflect on all of these matters that the need for graven images, the need uh, to be surrounded in some sense by mediatory symbolic objects is as universal, despite the prohibition on graven images, as the incest taboo. In other words, it, it is something that somehow or another all of us, and perhaps we need to recognize the all, the inclusiveness of this all, require as part of identity formation and cultural identity formation. So then we reflect, because we can think of this, as I say, taxonomically as a sequence of values from bad to good. And we say to ourselves, well, our relationship with the mediatory symbolic object depends on the capacity to say no. In other words, the intervention of a certain doubt or ability to distance oneself from the absolute value of the mediatory object without losing the sense of its importance to us and perhaps even informing our identification with a group. 
And we say to ourselves, well, there is a kind of a saving or salvific capacity to doubt, capacity to reflect that transforms the mediatory symbolic object from a kind of knee-jerk affirmation of thoughtless solidarity into uh, an expression, for example, of cosmopolitanism. And we say to ourselves that it is this power of reflection that makes the difference. And I'd, I'd love to end these remarks on that note, but I do think that one of the important and exciting things that we've experienced listening to everyone in the last couple of days is that the mind, if we take into account the underpinning of the unconscious, is too unruly <laughs> for this pride in the power of reflection to be altogether reliable. We have said repeatedly that there probably is in all of us, in some sense or another, lurking murder lust. And I think that perhaps the humility of our wish to affirm the Enlightenment values and the cosmopolitanism of Freud, you know, in hopes that he can somehow or another be brought to the attention of and included in UNESCO, uh, is in part the recognition that it's Freud who shows us just how fragile our identification with these things actually is. So I, I just wanted to come back from yesterday morning and make those concluding remarks on my part. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your welcome. Uh, I say one thing about Moses, uh, because it's uh, not only the problem of the strange, uh, because in the Bible, in the Bible, Moise uh, was forbidden to go in the prom promised land, because he made a, a fault and uh, he cannot be live in the land promise. And this position in other land uh, give a land for the other. Um, it's uh, one, one point. Uh, it's not only the problem of the stranger. I, I think is uh, I, I don't know in, in English, uh, Surdetermination. Surdetermination. Overdetermination. With the stranger. Um, um, I think um, uh, I, I disagree with, with Emil ob about uh, uh, the, the end of ideology. Uh, because uh, in Europe and particularly, particularly in France, you have uh, the question of the laicity like an atheism. It's in, in ideology. Uh, it's a very, it, it's a, a big problem. Uh, because um, uh, this, uh, this uh, ideology begin after the Shoah with uh, the neoliberalism who said uh, I don't want the relation with the one. 
I don't want uh, this uh, relation with the one. Because the one of the Nazi was a nationalist because a being is the, the B, is the identity. And the, I think the, the, the difference with patriotism and uh, Friend American can, can say about that because it's a, a people of migrants uh, and uh, they say we have to, uh, to, 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 to uh, lost home, home to live in other land. And you have to learn to, to us. Uh, and um, you have the, the same thing with John Locke. John Locke say liberalism is okay, but with the atheist is the cow. Cow is good? Cow? No cows. Cows. Uh, uh, and um, my, my, my thesis is uh, about the malaise. Malaise? Mm about the Malays is uh, the, the end of the link between eros and death pulsion. The ambivalence is a good thing because you are in you have, you have a contradiction inside me. You have not this link now uh, between eros and thanatos. Uh, the, the link uh, was brink, brink by, like uh, you, you say, Emil, uh, you said, Emil, uh, by the principle, principle of the father. Uh, and now uh, the question is how you can uh, construct a new, a new link with another relation with the one, but not without the one. Because the ideology in France is without the, uh, the one. The intellectual wrote without the one. I don't want the one. Uh, in the big university, I don't want the, the one. And I propose uh, uh, for uh, uh, working uh, together uh, to, to read to read a little text of Lacan. Uh, I, 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 I speak with you. Uh, it's a, it's a, a text at Leuven University. And uh, Lacan uh, said two points. Uh, Freud, uh, the, the ethic of Freud was, uh, was, it, was it a serious ethic. One point. And two, two points, the psychoanalytic can create a new, a new, a new uh, ethic. Uh, for example, uh, Lacan said uh, the, the question of realistic principle and uh, loose principle. Uh, the, the, the realistic principle is not the question of the frustration. I have not to fru frustration? Frustration. It's not the problem of the frustration of, for, for, for my kid. Uh, because the principle, the reality of principle in the unconscious, 
is the end is the inversion because it's the satisfaction of need for realistic principle and it's a problem of narcissism said Freud and the I finish and the loose principle it's 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 uh, it's very uh, uh, very shocking uh, it's the the idea of the thinking depend of the loose principle uh, uh, and you have uh, 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 the end of the end uh, the end of the link between affect and reason. No. Oh, okay. Thank you. I would like to suggest a general distinction. When we come to Freud, he was predominantly concerned with individual psychology. Group psychology only came into existence in 1921. And I think in the symposium today, uh, the, there was not enough clarification and demarcation between individual psychological concepts and mass psychological concepts. And I think we should be uh, aware of that difference when we approach political and social events. So th this is, to me, a general orienter. Uh, for example, there is no way to understand the idea of state through individual psychology alone. Uh, I think, uh, Paola, you gave a very important historical uh, review of the problem, uh, and maybe you should have mentioned the Italian Renaissance and Niccolò Machiavelli is one of the first right. to create the modern idea of state versus nation. This leads me to a second consideration. I didn't hear this morning anyone talk about terrorism, not just nationalism. It's a different phenomenon, terrorism. Sure. So it's important to understand the concept of la terreur. When did it come into being? And here, uh, the thing is very discreet because we see the terreur of individuals who impose their will and challenge nations. One dynamite package can cause World War I. This we saw in Sarajevo with the murder of the, uh, the prince and the princess of Austria. And today, too, a few terrorists with a few packets of bombs can terrorize a whole nation like France and a whole nation like America and state. And we have nuclear weapons to fight big wars, but we're impotent when we're confronted by a few terrorists. So I would also uh, would like to stress the historical phenomenon of terrorism. It started in the early 19th century with the Russians murdering 
Tsar Alexander, who was a very uh, enlightened reformer. And it continues until today. So how can we deal with terrorists? Now, the other fact is that the Nazi state was not only ideological, it was a state built on terror. On a terror of, of, of a group of gangsters who took hold of a nation. And the same thing was repeated in Germany. Hitler and Himmler and Heidelich, they were all gangsters and international criminals. What the Nuremberg trials established is crimes against humanity. And we see this again today. My last remark is about uh, father and son uh, hostility and murder. The first murder in the Bible is not between father and son. That's where Freud made his basic mistake because he went with Greek mythology and not with the biblical fact. In the Bible, the first murder is between brothers. Like you said, Emil, and you change it to Achicha. Exactly. So it's the fratricidal hatred that creates wars and dissent. And the terrorists today, who choose their own father image and love and affection and bonding, are actually fratricidal in their attack on the rest of mankind. And so let's keep these uh, things in mind. Thank you. Hmm. My name is Michael Arifia. I'm a member of the Emeritus of the Association for the Study of Nationalities. I'd like to attract your attention uh, to a detail in the problem of identification, national identification. When we read uh, newspapers today or listen to, to a program, uh, we, we see very uh, kind of difficult uh, attempts to identify the perpetrators of, uh, of those attacks in Paris or, or in the United States, uh, basically uh, to identify who they are. Uh, for example, one writes about uh, Belgian terrorists doing this or this or, or Paris or American terrorists uh, like every, like all the uh, those mass killings in the United States, um, the difficulties comes from from the fact that uh, in different parts of the world there is a different approach to identification. If you look at Europe, there were basically two approaches: the blood approach and the birth approach. <coughs> Germany, uh, when by the blood approach, which lasted until, until the, after the Second World War. And even after the Second World War, Germany was willing to repatriate, for example, Volga Germans, who were Germans uh, still in the time of Catherine the Great, but considered that it's a, it's a blood Germans that can be repatriated. Later, Germany changed slightly because of this Nazi situation by, by replacing blood by culture. That way, let's say, people of Jewish origin could qualify. Uh, apropos, this blood approach is uh, also spread up 
in everything east of Germany, whether Poland or, or Russia, etc. Uh, let's say somebody who is a, a Tartar in Kazan, uh, a Kazan is uh, Russian since the time of uh, Ivan the Terrible, would still consider it himself as a Tartar and not a Russian. Tartar by nationality, Russian by citizenship. Now, France had uh, another way. France was land. Born in France, meant Frenchman. But this was since the time after the revolution. But the France kind of got out of it, uh, out of this uh, business by making obstacles. If you're born in France today, you're not automatically Frenchman. There is a lot of conditions that you have to, which I will not list here, to, to, takes too much time. United States took the French way of uh, born in the United States and stick to this. Anybody born in the United States is an American. But the French moved away from it. Now, if, uh, if I want to give you an example of a thorough attempt to identify a person, I can give something which I experienced myself. Uh, I was in Poland after the war, uh, coming from the Soviet Union. Uh, I was a, a, a Pol, uh, one of the Poles in, in the Soviet Union, and uh, I was at the University of Lodz, and we were given a kind of uh, a piece of paper to, to fill up our uh, belonging, who, to whom we belong. And there were four questions, attempts to identify the national origin. It was citizenship, nationality, religion in native language. Mm -hmm. I think if somebody cannot be pinned down by one of those, uh, what I wanted to, to underline is the difficulty really to pin down what nationality is. And I'm not speaking of sub-national groups and supranational groups, but to complicate this even more. Thank you. to say a few words after the presentation of Emile Mallet about the difference between patriotism and national, nationalism. Maybe I will speak a mixed French and English when I can, uh, I can do that. I think I may suggest that patriotism is when we love our ancestors and we thank them for the life they gave us and we are ready to continue perpetue. We know it's not so easy 
because Freud discovers the Oedipus complex. So he shows that the father we lost, we went to to murder him. We are not satisfied with the life he gave us. And we know it's our clinic that many people are depressed, melancholic, unhappy, and are not ready to thank the father we have to love. Nationalism occurs when the people is bound, is or are bound, I don't know the is or are, the people are bound, sorry. When people are bound, by not the love for the father, but the hatred for an enemy. And in this way, we are ready to die, to preserve the father. So, it seems that there is always a fight, a conflict between the love, but we are unsure of this love, and the fact to be bound by the hatred against the enemy. May I say that I think that in Israel, no, they are more patriot than national, than nationalists because what a Jew says is that he is glad, happy for with the life which was given to him. And to die in these circumstances is a pity, you see. Uh, when we say uh, we have to love our brother like ourselves, I would say that the brother has to be sur ses gardes, qui doit se méfier. Hein, comment ça se dit ça? Qu'il a à. Uh, he has to watch out because do we love ourselves? And that seems to be a, to be a question. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe another point. 
the only way to be near our Father, close to him, is to die. So the, this person, this instinct, has maybe something to do with that point. Emil, what do you? I have to tell you something. Ah. <laughs> uh, this, what is your name? Marco Mel. He said, that it's not enough to consider that Moïse, as a stranger, is enough to be against nationalism. I think that what we said is not in contradiction with what you said. I think that if Moïse is a stranger, it could be a guy for Hebrew people, Hebrew people, only Hebrew people, and it's not enough. I agree with you, it's not enough. Alors, with what is saying Charles Melmont, I think there is a big difference between law and territory. And it was a difference with patriotism and nationalism. If you take the Bible, you have God, who is transferring the law to Moses and Moses transferring the law to the people. There is three transfers. And the people became a people because he received the law. Before the law, he was not a people. This is a miracle of the law. But after it's not Moses who is going to the country, it's his brother Aaron. Why? Because there is a castration here. God considers that Moses the prophet is not able to, go, to be, continue to the territory. If you see what is written in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. There is nothing about territory. It's only the relation between a man with God and the relation between men together. Nothing about the territory. As it's not Moses who is following and entering in the country, it's his brother. Aaron who is beginning. This is not contradiction with the Talmud. If you take Maimonid, Maimonid is saying something very important. You have to take education from your father. But if your father is not able to give you the education, you have to keep love for your father and you have to find another master. As Moses was the master of the law, but outside the territory. I think there is difference between uh, patriotism and nationalism. Uh, as the law 
we have only two things, I agree with you, two things. We have the law and love. And we don't find this, I think, perhaps Pierre Tzerklans is not, he doesn't agree with me, but I think the two things, the law and love, love as la pulsion de vie, they are outside the nationalism, outside the nationalism, and they guide us to accept the law, to accept the territory, because we could not live without a territory. And I think it's a big injustice. I told you exactly what I think, that we considered that the creation of Israel is um, for left people is considered as the bad thing. Personally, I consider is one of the best things in the 20th century. I told you what I think. We have to consider it as a banal ideological thing. Of course, it's not. There is a gap between law and ideology in the creation of Israel. But it's the same thing that we find in all ideological things. It's the same thing. As I consider today that we have the law, we have le, le, la pulsion de vie, we have these two things, and it's what we have today to expulse, if you want, nationalism from our mind. What is, it's what I think. Thank you. Uh, Marilia, but before Marilia, maybe Pierre wants to respond to something. No? Yes? Yes? No? No? Yeah. Um, Marilia, no. you're... I, I think we have to be careful that uh, this uh, distinction between patriotism and nationalism uh, is usually very ide ideological. Uh, we think patriotism is a good thing, nationalism is bad. But um, historically, and uh, from a doctrinal point of view, it, it, it's not that patriotism is about the love of the ancestor. I mean, you see the love of the ancestor in every uh, nationalist position. I mean, there is always um, uh, ancestor that we have to love as uh, the heir of a nation. And I can, uh, patriotism is often associated with the difference of a very small community. So we, and we forget that in both of this uh, ideology, we have in-group, out-group. You have the feeling that those who are in-group are good, except that in this out-in-group there are always some subversive elements, the Jews, the Protestant in France, and so on and so on. You have always uh, somebody who is uh, destroying the community, being a patriotic or a nationalist community. Um, I have uh, another example. Uh, in Switzerland, we have uh, near, in the valleys, we had two communities, two villages, um, Chermignon and another place, for, I forgot the name, it's not uh, very close to Cran. And these two 
small villages have been fighting each other about a story of a fanfare. How do you call fanfare? Mm. About um, a band. A band. Mm. And it has totally structured their relationship for 100 years until 1945, even later. You could not be from this band and marry another person from the other bands because uh, they were from outside. And it was, I, I, don't, I don't know, two or three kilometers separating these two villages. They were both patriots, you see. So I don't accept this distinction because I think it's uh, totally fake and totally ideological. Um, but it was reality. It, of course, it was symbolic it was reality. reality. Yeah, but I mean, coming back to the issue of symbols, if I have the floor, I think it's interesting what you say uh, about uh, the issue of uh, mediatory symbolic object. Um, I'm not a psychoanalyst, but I know that uh, psychoanalysts have today a lot of patients who are so-called borderline, and they have difficulty in symbolizing, in accepting the ambivalence of reality and in, in accepting that uh, what is real cannot be symbolic. Um, so they are geared toward action. And uh, what happened in, um, in Iraq, you know, in Syria, when they destroyed this uh, wonderful er heritage of ancient civilization, they were destroying symbols of something which they could simply not understand, which was a source of humiliation, and they could not understand that it was a symbol, that something which was not uh, real in the sense of their figurative understanding of the reality. And I think this has also to take into account when we speak about uh, ideology in general and, uh, and nationalism in particular. And of course, this uh, brings us back to uh, totem and taboo, to totems and taboo, uh, where the um, totem is such an important aspect of reality. Yeah, if you allow me, only very, yes. First of, first of all, I, I wish to thank very much uh, both the Alex Center, the in New York Institute, and Edna Sarsen for the organization of this weekend. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, three brief remarks uh, about uh, what happened this morning, which was very interesting, I think. Uh, one is about Freud's collection. Uh, you know, I, I think that the, the love that Freud had for his collection is very overdetermined and very highly conflictual because uh, he started his collection at the death of his father. And I think uh, there, uh, it has a strong link with something with his uh, relation to his father and to a conflict between his uh, Jewish identity where representations are forbidden, and his Greek culture, where representation is absolutely classical. 
I think that's very strong in, uh, and it's interesting to see it uh, on that angle. The other thing, I wanted just to say that uh, I felt very close and very interested by Paola Zmiali's uh, presentation. I just wanted to thank her. We have no time to discuss today, but it's a pity. And the third thing is to Pierre de Senarclin's. Um, I, I wanted to tell you that you stressed something very important, I think, the, the feeling of insecurity. And insecurity is, means not to, not to feel protected by the laws of your country and the lack of the law protecting you. Insecurity with the exacerbation of nationalism. Thank you. I too would like to thank Paula Miele for her very powerful presentation. Um, I think that we all stand on blood. Uh, last week we celebrated uh, a, a cultural heritage in this country we call Thanksgiving. And uh, what we remember from that is that the uh, first winter that the fundamentalist, misogynist, perverse group called the Puritans were dying because they did not put enough away food for the winter and that the Indians had saved enough and saved them. That was the first Thanksgiving. One year after that, the Puritans celebrated a holiday to remember that they had been saved the year before. But the Puritans were the only one at the holiday. All the Indians had been murdered by that second year. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, just as the perversion and misogyny of the Inquisition was ending in Europe, it was beginning in this country. Claude Mann in Moscovitz. Claude? I liked what Paula said about women and the empowerment of, or the coming to age of women, but I'm going on a different place. I think the U.S. got into the wrong foot with Bush right from the beginning, speaking about an axis of evil and using the word somewhere along the line, I can't quote it exactly, of going on a crusade. He uh, inadvertently, I think, but I'm not even sure that he didn't think crusade on, onward Christian soldiers and not really realizing even where, he, where it came from. But I was appalled that his speechwriters didn't catch that or that they put that in. It set right from the beginning the wrong attitude, I think, a motion that, and turned it into a problem of a war without any careful reflection of what sort of war was being started. This was a small group of people relatively in Afghanistan led by somebody coming from um, 
I think Saudi Arabia, I'm a very bad historian. And the people in these countries strike me as more coming really from tribal identities uh, than with their religious aspect as part of it also, rather than um, they're more like a feudal system. And we were talking today about the modern state, and I was reading recently about the Magna Carta. And the Magna Carta, of course, wasn't the document that we respect today. It came into being slowly. It was a few uh, feudal lords who weren't content with what King, George, King John was doing, who was a very bad uh, king in certain ways in his administration, and they wanted to uh, get more power from him. So that gradually, the Magna Carta, because of a few words in it, became the founding of something uh, that, that expanded into this idea of the state should be for the people. And I feel that while it was already a word, the term that we use now, terrorism, came into being with the World Trade Center event. Uh, what's new about it, partly the difference, is that we have the modern phenomena of a technology that's combined with terrorism. And perhaps without our even acknowledging it, it goes, as somebody mentioned today, beyond simply the human. The humans aren't entirely in charge of, of the technology in a certain sense anymore. And we very rarely actually acknowledge that and think about that. So today a person can take up a, 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 an idea and he can use it to bring down a, a, a huge building in New York City and uh, kill 2,000 people. Terrorists never could do that before. So I think I've already mentioned that I think the modern state came into being very slowly and that we haven't really uh, understood the, um, what Paolo was also talking about, which is the thing that's already happened, which is that modern, modern uh, states and technology and ideas have somehow already happened to uh, the people from these tribal societies, but they don't really have a way or, or the educational ideological background to think about what's happened to them in a way that would allow them to even have a discourse with us. But we don't have it, we Europeans and Americans don't really reflect on how we don't have a discourse with them. Thank you. Yes. This is a treasure island and I'm so pleased that our, our French guests are here. I just wish we had more New Yorkers coming and people from America to visit you, but really, they're watching you on the internet. I'm promising, I'm hoping that they're watching. And there will be a reverberation, there should be a reverberations from the pebbles that you have thrown, the symbols, the words that you have thrown together. You'll have a after effect, a, a good after effect. And I want to use one symbol that was so beautiful. It brought me here. I, on, the, on the internet, I watched. And the symbol of the pigeon, the humble pigeon, the pigeon that is made up of different languages, how that pigeon must never put itself higher up on the hierarchy to be the superior, you know, the king, the czar. But remember, the pigeon can fly and my hope for you as well. Thank you, Claude Landman. Claude, vas-y. Jean-Jacques Moscovitz.
tu veux pas, Claude New York, uh, and the, the, the town where uh, United States of uh, Organization is uh, founded just after the war. And I think it's possible for the Comité Freud to study the, the rights, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Mm -hmm. And wh when you read this text, article by article, 30, 30 articles is very interesting for me, perhaps for you. Uh, we, we read possible um, subjectivity, each line of, the of this text. And it's very interesting because the first article says, um, we are ego, eagle, uh, uh, all cit citizens, all men uh, are eagle, uh, in right and in dignity, dignity, and the, and the word of dignity is very difficult for uh, uh, the thinking of right because it's a literary, literary, a term literary. And um, in 30 articles, you, you, you see that the, the, the singularity of man, citizen is the collective, man is the individuality, and uh, I think oh, it's possible. We, we will we work the right and the psychoanalytic. It's possible. I, I began this work 10 years ago. But uh, it's necessary to, to define to, uh, definition exactly for an analytic what is it? The singularity. Is a subject, is an is a ego, is an antimatic, antim. What is it? And uh, this article, you see this exactly this, this uh, problematic. And uh, in the first article, it's possible you, you speak with a specialist of right of uh, uh, organization of United Nations. Nations, yes, is the name uh, of the time here. Uh, it's possible you, uh, you had some uh, idea, analytic idea, but uh, it's very difficult. Uh, the um, singularity is necessary in this world my singularity and the singularity of other. J'ai un droit, my right, uh, to, have, uh, uh, to have a rapport at my singularity, and I have uh, a devoir, a devoir, a regular, yes, to, 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 to recognize the singularity of uh, other. And the nation, uh, plural nation, nations, organization, uh, the patriotism of democracy, democracy, just patriotic is very interesting to use with this term democratic. And uh, what do you think about that in Comité Freud? Thank you. If you agree, if you agree, Ed, we have now Claude Landman, a reaction of the panel, and we conclude together because it's... Huh? Yes. Claude, I, will, I, will, I want to thank the participants of the roundtable this morning, which was really very interesting and of a high quality. Um, there is an answer, uh, I could say, uh, an obvious answer to 
the problem of closed, closed nationalism. This answer is a political answer. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's trivial. I think we will agree to this answer The, the, the answer to the closed nationalism depends on the success of the failure of the European Union. I, I can say that here in the United States because I think the United States is a, a union. It depends on what Jürgen Habermas said. Is it possible to, to reach what he calls a post-nation? Which doesn't mean the disparition of the nation. But is there a possibility of a post-nation? I'm, when I say the success of uh, the uh, European Union, I don't mean the economic, economically success. I mean the political success. And um, what I want to say is, as individuals, we belong to different sets. In the term sets, in the terms of the theory of sets, which is a mathematical theory. One individual can belong to one set and to another set, and then also to another set, different sets. But what uh, links all these sets together, and uh, this is, uh, in reference to Cantor theory, is there, that there is one empty set, one empty set. This empty set, we can refer it to the fact that the language, in the language, there is a signifier which is always missing. This empty set can make comfortable any individual people to belong to different sets. I am proud to be French. I'm sorry, but I, I'm glad when, when France, uh, the, the, the French soccer team, uh, wins a game. But I belong also to other sets. For example, I, I belong to the, from the beginning, to the in Lacanian International Association. Well, it's, it's one set. And we try in our association to, to, to deal with the empty set. When there is no, nobody, no, no one who can say it, it is the one who 
who, 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 who can substitute to the empty set. The empty set is what we called in, in the, the, the former discussion is uh, we can call it also the other with a capital O something that will be never closed. So there can be, can be many different sets linked together and one can belong to one or another set and different, different uh, elements can belong to one set. I mean, uh, we, can, we can be uh, in different and belong to the same set. That uh, I wanted to, to, to say, it is strange that a political question, which is, uh, I think, the answer to the uh, closed nationalism, is also a mathematical answer and also a psychoanalytical answer. But thank you. Thank you. In the spirit of the American superficiality and simplicity, I would like to make a comment. Uh, when I uh, think about this, I am reminded that uh, central to Freud's idea and central to psychoanalytic ideas is the notion of anxiety. Uh, the paper on inhibition symptoms and anxiety, which to me is one of his uh, important papers, really talks about the sources and the causes of this anxiety and in which, which way various defenses are uh, mobilized in order which lead them to symptoms. Now, anxiety is a response to danger. And uh, danger is what motivates or leads to these feelings that we describe under other names vulnerability, insecurity, and so on, which are really manifestations of a response to danger. It's another, another form of anxiety, if you will. And underneath all these situations that we have discussed today is the fact that we are talking about people who either are really vulnerable, are insecure, or are made to feel that there is a danger there. I think the comment the lady there made about what President Bush had said about the evil whatever and the, uh, the axis and evil and so on reinforces the view amongst certain people that there is a real danger and we need to protect ourselves. When there is danger, there is aggression because if you are threatened with something, you need to be prepared to defend yourself. So if the danger is outside of you, the defense is aggression. And I think what we are seeing is convincing people that there is a big danger and that we have to respond to it, and the response inevitably has to be through aggression. No question that some leaders have in the past, as they are doing today, take advantage of this mechanism to create groups to then create more terror and more sense of danger and therefore more aggression. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As to conclude the panel, and I finish. Do you have Paula? Je vais juste, uh, I'm going to speak in I'm just going to, to say a little punctuation. Uh, first about Pierre, I appreciated very much your, uh, your uh, presentation also because uh, you brought in the question of the, how to deal with the issue of nationalism, right? And you were speaking about the reintroduction of invention of new institution. I think that that's an important point that you underline. And I agree with you that uh, uh, very often uh, in reality, in political reality, the notion of nationalism and patriotism overlaps, and we have all sorts of examples of it. Yet, I still think that is, uh, um, it, it's worth it to try to think a difference, and I appreciate very much what uh, Charles Melman introduced right now, that is to say differentiation between uh, you know, a, a, a relation to the ancestors you know, that is uh, a relation bound on love, rather, as opposed to a relation uh, uh, of a defense against what is other. All right? I think that there, there is something very crucial. Because one of the characteristics uh, of uh, you know, the constitution of a nation, historically modern nation, is precisely, you know, the invention on the part of the people to create a certain historical background for themselves, be it through actual facts or through legends, right? But that implies the integration of the same of their fathers. Let's put it this way. In other words, a respect for one's own ancestry, right? And a love for them. That is to say, an adagio that we know so much stressed by Freud, you know, relating to Goethe, what you inherited from your fathers, reconquer it to make it yours, right? And this is a very difficult uh, a very difficult uh, process because we know, each of us as analysant know how difficult this process is, but it's a process that implies an act of love. Hmm? And Conclusion. I think that this is a, something very specific Conclusion. about that. Uh, uh, oui, je, uh, uh, so the, the, the question of nationalism instead, it seems to me that uh, precisely what brings about uh, is the opposition to one's own difference. Because in patriotism, okay, as you know, in patriotism you integrate within your history also the difference part that are part of your own uh, background. Instead, the characteristic of nationalism is the exclusion of, this, of difference. So I think that here we have a, a very major point of this. And I just want to say one final remark, if I may, that uh, there is one piece that I think needs to be under, un, underlined about fundamentalism, that is uh, the attack that exercised by fundamentalism against the symbolic universe of the other. 
Because what we are talking about in terms of, for instance, of the elimination of a certain uh, uh, historical uh, uh, artifacts or uh, books, the writing, hmm? it's uh, you know, an attack that is uh, directed against the symbolic you know, um, universe of the other, that is to say, is ancestry and so, so, so on and so forth. And I think il y a une tentative de détruire la lisibilité sur dans le corps de l'autre. Merci beaucoup. Lynn Gangwell. In, in, um, we're, we're in talking about in, in talking about nationalism. I mean, we've, we've raised all these interesting intellectual issues and different issues regarding the symbolism. Um, and in uh, and, and we've also I just I wanted to end with uh, it's stressing the, the the more general underlying practical um, uh, thread that runs through terrorism and and uh, that um, Ed, Ed mentioned one one similarity we find with these events is that uh, people are acting out of fear and terrorism and something Pierre said too that that the threat of poverty and lack of education and uh, you know what can we do you know um, the, the you know the possibility of social programs you know in, in government and you know and um, that's all thank you Pierre. Uh, no, I'm very embarrassed to say anything uh, new to what has been said, but I have a problem with, the, uh, pro with illusions, because if we follow Freud, illusions are caused by helplessness, and he deals with uh, religious illusion, but what he says about religious illusion could be said about, uh, about um, ideological illusion, be they a nationalist or other. So, for Freud, I, I, speak, I think that the development of education, uh, uh, rationality, and science might um, also attenuate the empire of illusion. Okay, we can follow him on this issue. But illusion, in a way, are also necessary because we cannot have link of solidarity among ourselves or inside a state without some form of illusion. How to reconcile these two uh, aspects of illusion? And illusions which are really um, uh, dangerous and illusions which are necessary for continuing to live together. Thank you. I have to conclude very two brief political messages. I want to provide that Elix Psychoanalytic uh, Association of America and from France to have briefly two political messages and after an address to you, Ed. First, uh, Freud was a Western thinker and universal. I don't forget that I am coming from France, but born as a Jew in an Arab country. I think we need to have between America, France, and Arab countries a dialogue. We need to have a dialogue with Islam and not fundamentalism. 
Raymond Aron briefly said there is a difference between Nazism and Communism. Nazism was a murderous ideology. Communism, the interpretation of this ideology was murderous. We have this morning very interesting distinction between nationalism and patriotism. We need to have a distinction between Islam and Islamism, and we have to work together to the dialogue with Islam for the peace, notably in Middle East, because we need this peace, and I think we have to work together. This is the first political message. The second political message, and I want that you were American with French, why we want Freud inside UNESCO? Not only like a flower. I know that America have reserves and critics vis-à-vis -vis de l'UNESCO. Personally, I think like you, UNESCO is more tiermondist that universal. But I think if we are able to put Freud inside UNESCO, UNESCO could be more cosmopolitan. As it is a politic act to do it, and I think together we could have this politic act. To conclude, I want to tell you, Ed, and the Elix Center, we have to tell you thanks for your generous hospitality, you are generous host. I think that without you, this seminar could not held here. Is it, there is a Freudian address to the intellectual community of New York, but also with YouTube to all the world. I know that New York is a big city, The pulse of the world resonates here. We know this. It's a place that is more profoundly cosmopolitan. There is no other city, even Paris is not in the same capacity, to be cosmopolitan and to resonate of what happened in the world. We are seeking that together we could return to Freud, and I think If we do this, we could help Europe to be against nationalism. It's a prevention. Our work today here is a prevention that nationalism is growing in Europe. Alors, you know the, the thinkers of the Middle Europa, and Freud was one of them. And Freud, he prevent at this time He say you have to hurt and to be against the possessed of delirium. We found them in every time. Today is Islamism and fundamentalism. And he said these monstrous people, they impacted the history of humanity and often caused disasters. We have also today in this time, and I think psychoanalysis could be also politic for preventing all these things. This is the objective of the Freud Committee that, were that was created in Presse. 
in Paris. I know as I finish with this thing, there is a Bible saying next year in Jerusalem, we hope that to meet you, all of them next year in Paris yes. for a new chapter. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Emil. There is an English saying that it takes more than one to tango, and this would not have been possible if the, you and Marilia and Charles had not been uh, influential in bringing this about. Uh, and I want to thank all the French participants who've come all the way from Paris to participate in this meeting and have made it meaningful by their presence. And I also, of course, want to thank our American participants, Lynn Gamwell, Professor Paul Fry, and Henry Lothan, whom I know for half a century. Thank you very much. <laughs>